We only recorded two episodes, and I don't know what happened to trying to record uh, an episode every other week, every two weeks, something like that, but um, it didn't happen, but we're here, and we're making it Man, work. Man, life. Yeah, yeah. This is this is Connor Thompson, and joining me is Evan Wardlaw. How are you? It is I. I'm good. Finally got this thing to work. I'm yeah. happy about it. Got a, got a After much trouble and travail. Trials, tribulations of all kinds, technical <laughs> issues Indeed. and uh, hiccups and everything. Uh, but we've made it work. Um, yeah, how are you doing otherwise? Man, yeah, otherwise I'm good, you know. Um, my computer's <laughs> trash. <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing a lot better than my computer. That's good. You know, if if that if that tells you anything, it, so I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's we're out here on the grind. That that's kind of a low bar to start with with the. Computer, but, <laughs> yeah. but I think you're much higher than that generally. <laughs> I would like to. Th- I have to tell myself that I am. That's how. That's how I keep myself motivated. Okay. That's right. Yeah, man, we're we're good. We're good. How are you? Oh man, I'm I'm good. I'm sweating here in in Glendale. Uh, Moved from, <laughs> I'm, I'm moved from Long Beach to a completely different part of LA. I think that's part of why uh, why the the gap has persisted as long as it has. So, moved from yeah. you know like Sublime and Warren G to a uh, um, system of a downtown. So, <laughs> hey man, that's the place to be. That's right. Uh, I think I, I I need to listen to System of a Down honestly. Yeah, but. I I'm only vaguely aware of some of their songs. I mostly know this one version of. Do you know the song Chop Suey? I should. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, it's 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 a song that I I only know it because there was this great remix uh, done of it. Where someone took uh, the words of Chop Suey and put it on this like Elton John track called uh, like <laughs> Alligator Rock, uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the uh, it's ridiculous. That sounds fantastic. It is completely fantastic, <clears throat> and it reminds me that today we're finally talking about music. Um, I the theme of this episode is convince me I should listen to. And so we've both given each other some homework to listen to some albums. Um, mm-hmm. So you have uh, instructed me to listen to Lupe Fiasco, The Cool. And then I have given you The Smiths Singles. So, uh, yeah, yeah we, could, we could start with Lupe. Uh, what, what, what made you want to assign me this, uh, this Lupe album? What... Why, what what did you have to convince me that I needed to listen to this one in particular? Um well <laughs> it's it's uh I guess at the 
center of I, I feel like every work in my personal canon is at the center of the canon so mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how how helpful it would be to say that but yeah I mean Lupe is one of those artists and there are several others um, but he's one of those artists uh, who I think really showed me um, what could be done with words and with uh, lyrics um, his craftsmanship uh, is probably finer and, and higher in a lot of ways than uh, you know I, it's it's unusually high I, and refined I'll say um, and he's been a huge influence in the way that I approach um, the composition of rap lyrics and songs and that kind of thing um and i still haven't heard his first two albums surpassed uh mm-hmm. lyrically i think maybe certain certain conceptual albums have been certain conceptual rap albums i'll say have been more ambitious um but i can't think of any that have been better executed lyrically um i just he his his kind of lyricism is uh one that I just haven't heard matched. Certain elements of it have been, I, I think. Uh, I think certain rappers are maybe better at certain things, but um, you know, Lupe's like the the player in the basketball game uh, whose stats are all at ninety. You know, you'll meet. Uh, you know, you'll you'll find a player who's got like ninety five for dribbling or like, you know, ninety three for jump shot or whatever. But Lupe's just like. 90 across the board um and I, I think those first two albums really um display that really well um yeah what about you yeah. i returned there or were you gonna ask yeah well um i was just thinking like i remember the first time actually you were the one who i first heard about uh i heard about lupe fiasco from you first which was uh, back at Parkview, back in high school. I'm not uh, surprised. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what I, I I appreciated this pick because um, I remember distinctly. So you know we were in high school in you know like the late aughts, I guess you'd call it late 2000s. And, yeah. And this album came yeah. out shortly before that, right? Like it was a new, fairly new project at the time, right? Like yeah. Oh seven. Oh seven. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, so I remember he, first hearing about uh, Lupe Fiasco from you, and and at the time being like, oh well, you know, if it's if it's something Evan likes, I should definitely go check it out. And I remember, uh, and, and when we came up with this this podcast idea, convinced me I should listen to it. You know, it's it's something that we're not too familiar with, and uh, I'm not very familiar with Lupe because at the time I tried listening to it, and I was like. I can't handle this right now. <laughs> like this does not <laughs> at all yeah. conform to like my idea of like what a so good rap funny. album should sound like. And yeah, it's it's probably I I know exactly why. It's because at the time, you know, I think I was still very like uh sort of under this mindset that the on- the like legitimate form of like rap production in my mind or like the highest aesthetic ideal was like 90s like boom bap shit you know yeah if it didn't didn't sound like you know 
RZA produced it, or it was on like Illmatic right. or a Tribe Called Quest or a Nas or track. Yeah, yeah. Then I was like, <laughs> then I was like, oh, this just sounds like. I think at the time it would have been like, oh, like computer production, you know, like if it's not right. yeah. sampled from a from a vinyl record, if it doesn't spit, yeah. you know, then. Uh, that it's, it's not worth my time and and you know Lupe, Lupe yeah. has some he has some like really catchy hooks um you know he I think the thing that I couldn't appreciate about it at the time was you know the the depth of the lyricism and I think it was from being distracted by um you know his go 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 get gadget flow um right yeah <laughs> And, and you know, and he and he had some like big, and he had some like radio singles. Like I actually forgot that that song "Superstar" oh was a Lupe Fiasco song. Um, yeah. Like I heard yeah, it, and yeah, I was yeah. like, "Oh shit!" Like they still play this on the radio. Like I've heard this, you know, around sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think I think my prejudice against anything like that seemed. Uh, uh, mainstream or too slickly produced uh, kept me from from being able to appreciate it um, at the time. Sure. For sure. Um, sure. So yeah, it was it was it was good to go back to it. Um, I have only I still feel like I I haven't caught a lot of the uh, the story or, or what he's trying to to tell um, with it or, or some of the, uh, nuances of the lyrics. Um, yeah, I looked a little bit at, at genius, uh, rap genius. Um, and so I'm vaguely aware that I guess there was another track on, what is it? Food and liquor that preceded yeah. this one. So the, uh, yeah, I think there might've been a couple actually. Uh, I think he say, she say, and, of, and real recognize real definitely. Uh, yeah. and I, I can't remember the others that might have been but uh yeah I, I probably i mean i recommended the cool uh you know for the reasons that i i mentioned earlier but it probably would have made more sense to start <laughs> with the first album because uh, that's uh sort of where the some of the characters get introduced um mm-hmm. and the the basic story as i remember it uh follows uh this kid named Michael Young History, My Cool Young History. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically, re- it's a character, I mean, the entire, the narrative is allegorical. You know, I mean, it's very like truth and virtue and, you know, those are actual characters in the, not in his concept, but, you know, it's it's just, it's that kind of, that style of storytelling in some sense. But, uh, yeah, it My Cool Young History is like, um, a representation of youthful folly, basically. And uh, he, uh, I think, falls in love with The Streets, who's personified as um, an attractive woman. Um, I think he, is he killed by the game or something like that? I forget his relationship to the game, but the game is, like, personified as this, um, like, monstrosity basically i mean it's kind of just capitalism (laughs) honestly uh you know but uh who is it the streets the game um god there's someone else i'm i'm forgetting uh but in the um i the 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 narrative arc is basically uh you know michael young history falls in love with the streets i think 
he's killed by the game or by somebody and uh he comes back to life at some point on the cool um which is uh, i think yeah and on the song the cool he comes back he came back in the same suit that he was buried in similar to the one his grandfather was buried <laughs> in yes and that's how that verse starts and um the entire thing is just incredible i and on uh food and liquor real recognize real uh, is where he talks about the game and he he talks about what he looks like. Or, no, he talks about the streets and the game and possibly someone else. But um, yeah, I just he he pulls off just some incredible like. And the thing is, none of his, despite the density of his lyrics, he doesn't use. I don't know if you know who Aesop Rock is. Yeah, a little bit. I'm- I know, I know very. Sorry, I, very I know he he's known for being like really kind of obtuse or like kind of pulls out the uh, like really intense wordplay. He does, yeah, and it's it's more his diction is really what he's not. I mean, he he pulls out a lot of, you know, his phrasing and his syntax are really mm-hmm. um, out there, and it's wonderful and it's great, and he's he's also super good. But um, I think. Uh, um, I think what part of what's so impressive to me about Lupe's lyricism is that he he weaves such intricate patterns of uh of lyrics without using any high school I mean any not high school Jesus any his <laughs> diction stays at around the high school level I mean it's okay. not like you know he's not using all of these like super PhD words um uh-huh. and uh yeah you know and so like in in the the beginning of real recognized real he's like they say the game is the belly of the beast blunts for fingers and hollow tips for teeth wire taps for ears nike airs for feet blasphemy for prayers heroin for a son and he's married to the streets crack pipes for lungs and he never sleeps just spies with dice in his eyes he loves life cuz he likes when it dies that is an incredible, mm-hmm. just like the, the, the rhythm, man, like, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the way the line fits on the beat, he never sleeps, just spots with dice in his eyes. He loves life because he likes when it dies. Like, and it's, it's not only, it not only fits just perfectly, it also, I mean, it's, it's a multi-syllabic rhyme and he's got a lot of those and they just sort of. You barely notice that it's multisyllabic yeah. because yeah. It, it just it's so smooth, you know. I mean, like, I, and it's 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 just like that that whole verse is just like one incredible exercise in um, personification and in characterization. I mean, it's it's a rhetorical marvel, and uh, <laughs> I <laughs> Lupe is just incredible, and I don't understand. But yeah, and so he just he tells the story in a in that kind of lyricism, and uh, and he's also got a song on on that second album called "The Coolest," which I didn't like at first, but then it became my favorite song. And like toward the end of the first verse, he's like um, he's talking about what would happen if my cool young history dies, mm-hmm. and he says, um, "What does he say?" Um, <sighs> Give me a second. Um, uh, 
But she doesn't see that. Um, I trip, I fall, run up and roll. She said that she would give me greatness, status, placement above the others. My face would grace covers of the magazines of the Hustler's paper, the likes of which that I had never seen. Her eyes glow green with the logo of our dreams, the purpose of our scene, our obscene obsession for the bling. She would be my queen. I could be her king. Together, she would make me cool and we would both rule forever. And I would never feel pain and never be without pleasure ever again. And if the rain stops, that is to say if... if uh, I think at least one meaning of that would be, you know, if the drugs that he's selling dry up, mm-hmm. if the rain stops and everything's dry, she would cry just so I could drink the tears from her eyes. She'd teach me how to fly, even cushion my fall if my engines ever stalled and I plummet from the sky. But she would keep me high, entendre alert. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sure. if I ever died, there we go, if I ever died, she would commission monuments on her bosom to him. Or maybe she'd retire as well. A match made in heaven set the fires in hell. I have never heard of that was one of one of the finest like a match made in heaven set the fires in hell. Like that is mm-hmm. bruh. <laughs> that's like epitaph worthy. Like that's that is that is some fine lyricism right there. Yeah, and um, I, I think um so hearing you, so like as you were saying that, I pulled it up in Genius and was reading along with it, and that's when I think yeah. it, it the, I think the thing about this album is, it's the lyricism is pretty profound and what he's saying, um, and and the way he's using language, but he it's so effortless that you almost don't you don't notice it the first time it yeah, goes through it just yeah. it just no, sounds man. like good rapping the first time you go through yeah. <laughs> but he, and the thing is and i get so distracted by like whatever the hook is and whatever the beat is you know and i yeah. but now actually like sitting through hearing you saying it and reading it i'm like wow you know it it, it really does um it's something that that's really easy to miss the first time cuz you might, yeah, you might not no, I I didn't catch, yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't catch any of that the first time. And this was actually, uh, I don't know if you know Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn, uh, I can't say her name. Yeah, Gwendolyn. There we go, <laughs> Gwendolyn Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, uh, she uh, wrote this poem called "We Real We Real Cool," mm-hmm. which I think was one of the inspirations for this whole album, maybe. Mm-hmm. But this song was supposed to end with her lyrics, uh, but I think he decided against it because he would have had to uh, credit her as a writer and you know, all the legal issues and stuff, but, uh, right. yeah, it's, um, it's a lot, and he just, he does an incredible job with, um, he's probably my favorite storyteller as a, as a rapper, um, you know, it's just, he, he, it's not even, I think the thing is, you know, for, for a while, and, I think this is less true now just because I, I sort of better understand the craft of rap. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now that I actually do it, it's, uh, I for a long time, you know, I didn't realize it's good to try and imitate rappers, um, to imitate their verses. It's good exercise and practice. Um, and it, it's, it was difficult for me for a while to figure out like how you would, imitate Lupe because it's just like I there's 
like I, with with most other like with Aesop Rock, like there's just something very distinctive. Like I know, you know, there are certain like compactions of syntax and you know just the, certain verbal things that he'll do that I can sort of pick up on. And, but it's yeah. just like with Lupe, it's just good rapping. Like I don't, <laughs> you know, it's kind of I don't know. Words are just like they're anything and everything in his um, in his possession. Uh, you know, and it's it's. You know, I, he's he's like a consummate wordsmith in some ways. I mean, um, you know, or the closest I've seen to one, you know, apart from <sighs> Shakespeare. I don't know. <laughs> or, or a lot of other rappers. I mean, honestly, I you know, it's, you know, Milton too, because Milton is a, we can talk about that, but Milton is super nice with it. Also a terrible human being, but yeah. It's um, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 hard to figure out. Lupe was tricky to to figure out, and I mean, I still haven't really tried, but I mean, I think I have a better idea now. Um, and and his verses are sort of they're definitely models. Um, certain verses of his are definitely models. Um, yeah, man. Do you think do you think Lupe he's like held up after hours. these two albums? How where do you Easily. put Lupe of of 2017 cuz I know he's he's had a couple of projects and Say that last part again? Oh no, just uh that I know he's 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 you know, he's kept going. He's had new projects. He's, oh, yeah, he's been yeah, on yeah. people's verses like where where does he Yeah, has yeah. It... I mean my my favorite Cause I mean he's good now, and there there were tracks on his newer stuff that I was really digging, but I just haven't heard I haven't heard anything like this since he made it, um, you know, from him or from anyone else, you know. And I mean artists change, and that's you know to be expected, uh, and that you know I, I think that's a good thing really. But um, yeah, I mean it it was it. <laughs> It's not, I mean, he hasn't worsened at all. I, you know, he, he's still just uh, <laughs> utterly formidable. But uh, that's not even the right word. I mean, I, that, he's just, he's so good. <laughs> I just don't mm -hmm. understand. He's so, he's so marvelously skilled at what he does, I guess. You know, it's just, it. It's it's wonderful. I mean, I think my favorite Lupe was definitely you know mid two thousands. You know mid mid to you know relatively late two thousands. I mean, um, you know this was these two albums I really like a lot. Um, and also, uh, there there are just some other I guess um, sort of one off tracks. Or, or I don't know about one off. I don't really know the status of those tracks. They didn't. They weren't on his albums. But you know, there are just certain tracks of his that uh, are, are just sort of out there floating. There's one called uh, I think it's called "If You Want To," but the version I heard is different. But the way he starts it off is just great. He's like, "The mind's all a flutter. No pigs on the kid. No wine in the cupboard. No swine for the supper. Everything in mind must show signs of the suffer." And keep you abreast of the utter struggle. Like, 
the mind's all a flutter. Like, who opens a verse like that, you know? And, <laughs> uh, and then on, uh, I mean, even on, um, on the cool, uh, what is it? Is it? Oh my God! What is that track called? Is it called Die? Uh, he's like, now nah, I heard like a group of cows that all your enemies want to shoot you down. They got AK-47s and a bunch of Mac-11 semi-automatic weapons that produce kapows. Just beautiful rhyme. Like, and it's and they fall. Everything falls perfectly, and he like retains meaning and just like. It's it's just like who else does it like this, you know? Um, I mean, and there there are rappers out there who can. I mean, they can they can go probably bar for bar with them in terms of wordplay, but man, it just feels like Lupe can go forever. Like it it's 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 astounding, man. Um, I would love to freestyle with Lupe. He's the reason. He's actually the reason I got into rap. I didn't. I didn't realize that the reason yeah. I started freestyling was because I saw his Hot 97 freestyle um, over the wrong over uh, that artifacts be the wrong side of the tracks and uh, and I was just like, man, he made this look so fun, and I just started doing it. And like, bro, there would literally not be this trove of essays I'm trying to write if yeah. <laughs> if Lupe had never done that freestyle. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's. It's incredible stuff. Yeah, that, that that was kind of where I was thinking of going with it, which is sort of like how much this album kind of um, where it stands and kind of getting you to where you were in your, your kind of knowledge and, and appreciation of, of the art form. You know, it seemed to, you know, hit at a, at a seminal time for you. Um, Man, and that's, and, yeah, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I, well, there was, because uh, I mean, you know, this is like when, this was like peak Wayne era, you know, yeah. this was like when Wayne, uh, like uh, Wayne was, was <laughs> Wayne was a force to be reckoned with, like for real, for and I mean, and Wayne is still, you know, mid-2000s, mixtape Wayne from like the mid-2000s is still like in my top something, because um, I just, some of his lines are just beautiful, Um you know, and, uh, but I mean, yeah, it's, I, I think Lupe, <sighs> I, I guess I always value, and this is, you know, just across media or mediums or whatever, um, you know, I always value when artists show me, or when they, when they expand my conception of what's possible, hmm. um, aesthetically or otherwise, and Lupe did that, and Gambino did too, and a lot of other um, artists have done it in small ways, you know, small ways that are no less important for being small, but, um, you know, it's just Lupe and Gambino, um, Gambino did it sonically, Lupe did it lyrically, Um, uh, yeah, you know, and so, I mean, it's, you know, I, I have sort of a small uh i guess canon of you know rap verses that serve as models for the kind of uh lyricism that i want to um practice or the kinds of lyricisms if you want um and uh a lot of it is from lupe (laughs) 
and uh, you know, and some of it is from King Los, who whom you might have uh, heard of. He's from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, probably the best freestyler I've heard, or at any rate, my favorite freestyler. But um, he maybe has the best rap verse I've heard. Or I, I guess if we're just talking like non-narrative, just rapidy rapping, like mm-hmm. this, his is like he did a a verse over six foot, seven foot that I just, I I really haven't heard any very much like that. Just in terms of like the amount of, of like, I, I do not like the word wordplay. I am not a fan of it. Like, <laughs> I just don't like it. Um, the amount of like, uh, there's a, so in in this in one of the essays I'm writing, I make up a word. I say instead of wordplay, I'll call it super seamy, super <laughs> okay. and then s e m y. So, okay, there are a lot of reasons I I go with that word. I don't like so the word wordplay has connotations of like humor, right? And comedy, right? Um, the word rhetoric has connotations of empty speech, you know, and just sort of bloviating you know mm-hmm. um it's kind of dry and uh exactly yeah. yeah um and the word polysemy which just means having more than one meaning um it, it's it's also i mean it's closer than the others but it's still not quite what i want because not all of the language uses i'm talking about have more than one meaning necessarily but supersemi i like a lot because um, super just means it's a prefix that means above or beyond. Mm-hmm. And semi comes from, I think, the Greek sema, meaning sign. Um, also, I think, sometimes used to mean sense. So I, I use the word super semi to talk about um, th- uh, uses of language that allow it to function in ways that go above and beyond its regular pedestrian uses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't like commit me to it having more than one meaning or anything like that. And it doesn't have any of the connotations of those other words. But I just, I feel like it's a, a decent way to talk about like the density of, of um, certain uses of language. There was a, Ezra Pound has this quote where he's like, poetry is language charged with meaning. And for a long time, I was like, what does that even mean? Now I kind of get it. I, I wouldn't say meaning. I would say that I, w- I would probably use the word functions rather than meaning because it just sounds less mystical that way. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, and I say all of this just to say that um, I think what I hear in, in rappers like Lupe and King Los and, and certain others um, is... Uh, using is uses of language that allow it again to function just in ways that I never thought were possible really you know or ways that I'd never um ways whose possibilities I'd never um considered you know it's like no I mean I never thought about making triple entendres you know it's like I didn't even know you could do that I didn't I had no clue you could take like you know a slogan from some like for a dishwashing detergent and make some kind of incredible diss from it you know like I, who who does that 
turns out rappers do it, and they do it pretty darn well. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think they're some of the most skilled, um, or some of the best examples of that kind of thing. Um, and King Los's verse really stands out in that regard, um, as does, as do a lot of Lupe's. But, um, yeah, man, I'm not going to tell you my whole essay. <laughs> so that's for another podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, that's why I had you listen to Lupe, <laughs> so that we could fall down this rabbit hole together <laughs> and tumble aimlessly in the dark. It was a revelation. I mean, it was revelatory in, in every sense of the word. Um, tell me about Morrissey or or... You can ask me about the album, or you know, yeah. talk about it, or whatever. Tell me why you chose it. Yeah, I think I think I ended up choosing uh, this this particular. Or not the Smiths. The Smiths. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the Smiths and, and Morrissey's the uh, the 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 singer, the songwriter. Um, okay. All so right, yeah. so yeah, so just so so you know, so the Smiths were a band in uh, the '80s. They only they only lasted. I think from like 83 to 87 or something like that. Uh, so very short-lived as a group. And then Morrissey has had a solo career since then. Um, but okay. my, uh, I think the reason why I chose it was similarly that kind of uh, formative kind of music experience. Um, right. You know, happening in high school, I, I definitely started listening to the Smiths at Parkview. Um, and, you know, I think... I we might I think we've talked about this at some point before um, on a podcast. How I think you know a lot of um, my kind of music has had a very kind of retrospective like view, or like I think for a lot of times I was not <laughs> yeah. not listening. Like my taste was formed sort of in reaction to whatever was actually current and popular at the time. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and right. you know I I identify my taste as being somewhere in the past. Um, but yeah, like I think the Smiths just for me, uh, I think going into high school, I was definitely very like, um, influenced by punk rock, by, um, by everything that, that came out of that. And, um, as I was started, sort of discovering some bands that kind of opened up my horizons beyond, you know, the very straightforward kind of punk music um the smiths seemed like kind of the first uh like they had some affinities with that but at the same time did something completely different um which i think a lot of people kind of um identify them as one of the earliest sort of like indie rock bands like they're probably the first right. ones you could you could call that um but i think yeah i think for me it was just something about uh Morrissey's words and for me it was like the density of like literary metaphors and humor and like pathos all at the same time that kind of combines in some of these lyrics um one of the things that really that really struck me when I first started listening to the Smiths was just like I could go in and there would be these websites that would like detail all of these uh allusions to like plays and one of the things that struck me immediately upon listening to them were uh was actually the visual identity uh seeing like the the covers of albums they're all like it's funny because even 
the Smiths who were recording in the 80s had this like retrospective view about like the 60s and definitely like Morrissey's lyrics. Uh, so it's like, it's almost like me having a nostalgic take on this older band that has a nostalgic take on another era, you know what I mean? Right, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and so for them, yeah. it, it comes through like having these guitars that kind of uh, sound vaguely reminiscent of kind of 60s bands. Um, and then also like the art itself is like these very striking um, kind of like Warhol-esque, uh, like this whole idea of like the superstar. Uh, so every album yeah. cover like has a different, like very striking kind of character on it. And I think for me, it was the idea of kind of being consumed by this world. Um, you know, we were, we were talking earlier about um, <laughs> before, before we, we uh, started the podcast today, we were talking about the, uh, the appeal of star Wars and Lord of the Rings. And I think the reason why those <laughs> franchises have such, uh, you know, have, have, as many fans as they do and, and are so popular worldwide is because people feel like they're entering into a world when they listen to it uh, or when they, when they watch yeah. those movies. And uh, for me, like the, the type of world that like Morrissey did kind of something similar uh, without, you know, uh, but for him, it wasn't necessarily like an invented world. It was kind of the world of his influences of culture of the, the movies he was yeah. watching, the books he was reading, the the other music that he was influenced by, and I don't know. He, I just for me, he he did it really well, and it really kind of uh, drew me into this very specific place. Like you could almost occupy it as like a separate world apart from the one that you're in, um, and I don't think that because yeah. I think when people talk about the Smiths, they uh, they tend to see it as like just overly morose for its own sake, um, almost humorless, which I think is actually uh, kind of crazy because I think one of the things that I love about these early Smiths uh, singles are that they're very funny to me, that there's there's actually a, a great dry humor that's uh, that's in some of these um, these records. I don't know. Did, had you heard any of these songs before? Actually, before I had assigned you to to listen to them, like, did any no, were any familiar at all? Um, no, I, not really. I mean, I had a lot of friends who were, um, who were, uh, who are, I think, into. Um, I don't know about the Smiths, Morrissey. Yeah, I think I've. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure I've got a bunch of friends who are into the Smiths, but I had never. <laughs> that name doesn't particularly <laughs> stick out yeah. to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I hadn't heard. I I hadn't had any familiarity with them before. Um, before this, and I mean, it was, I, I did get sort of '60s-ish vibes. Yeah. For some reason, you know, it, it reminded me of like. I don't even know if Buddy Holly is the '60s, um, but I don't. It's it's just I don't know. Or not not Buddy Holly. Who do I know from the '60s? Beach Boys? Like yeah. <laughs> I I think not even just in terms of like I guess maybe it was the reverb that they used. Um, uh-huh. Some of the guitar just sounded very much like 
it it should be on like American Bandstand with this <laughs> and I'm serious, man. Just like those yeah. those really high uh, frame rate cameras, black and white cameras that they'd use back then. <laughs> yeah, like I just I that's what I saw, yeah. and uh, I mean it was enjoyable though. I it sort of reminded me of um uh doves they're this uh british band from like what what maybe the 90s i'm pretty sure the early 2000s as well yeah um sounds kind of familiar but they uh yeah. well i i listened to them a lot in high school um i still do they're still um they're they're another one of my sort of formative um artists yeah um and they're just they're wonderful and incredible and uh i think some of the guitar work in the smiths uh sort of vaguely reminded me of that i wouldn't be surprised to hear that i wouldn't be surprised to learn that uh doves listen to yeah to the smiths. i'm, I'm um, looking them up now uh i mean the smiths pretty especially the the guitars and uh you know, taking Morrissey out of the picture, um, a lot of that really influenced a lot of those like alternative bands, especially English ones. Yeah. Um, so that wouldn't surprise yeah, me yeah, at yeah. all. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, these songs. Uh, so I chose singles. There are a lot of things I could have chosen. Like this isn't an actual album. This is actually a compilation that was put together uh, okay. after they, That's what they I, weren't yeah. a band anymore. And because to me, like. This is the only compilation they ever made that actually makes sense. Um, there's a lot of like, cause all this is. They were one of the things about the Smiths that that I find kind of interesting is that they they intentionally wanted themselves to be considered a singles band in the sense that they like would write singles that were meant to be uh, purchased. Like this, it's funny because it actually goes into the like economics of how records were made in like in the pre-digital era which is people would you know yeah, go and buy yeah, yeah. like a seven inch single and um right and so they saw like this tradition of uh that's probably best exemplified by the beatles of of these what they called singles bands uh so like rock groups who had uh put a lot of their best work into making these singles that then stand out from the albums themselves um, and so the the albums are great. Like I could have chosen one of their four actual studio albums, but um, I think what I like about this uh, about singles from 1995 is you get the full kind of breadth of right. what their sound was like. Like you know, um, there's there, there's some pretty big uh, changes that happen from from the early singles to the later ones. So. You kind of get yeah. get the full range, and and it's just literally every single in chronological order. So, um, I, I I think that like if there's one album I had to have like on a desert island or something, it'd probably be this one, just because <laughs> it's just because it it yeah. the formative nature of it, and also just the fact that it like captures even though there's a ton of songs that I would have like preferred to be on it or would switch out, right. but uh, it does a better job than most. Um, but it's it's funny because you know I listened to this pretty heavily in high school. Uh, you know, listened to some of Morrissey's uh, solo stuff, and kind of f fell out of it for a while. Like, didn't you know? I, I listened to other stuff in college, um, but moving to Los Angeles, um, I was vaguely aware when I came here 
that uh, there existed um, like this subculture of people who who follow the Smiths and Morrissey here, and specifically in the uh, Chicano community. So in the um, so like first generation Mexican Americans born in the United States. Um, so people mm-hmm. whose uh, parents might be from uh, Latin America and then were born here uh, and grew up in Los Angeles. Okay. And so I knew this, this thing existed, this, this kind of, uh, this association between uh, like young uh, Chicano culture and the Smiths, but I didn't really know why or what that was about. And I just knew that there, there were, it's been this sort of like object of fascination. Like there's been a, a couple of like documentaries you can look up like there's been scholarly literature written about it. And when I moved to LA, like pretty soon I found like that there were these like nights that you can go to like Morrissey night, Smith's night. Um, and I kind of saw firsthand like what this, this world was about. Um, and so that, that's actually, it's, it's where I met my girlfriend. Um, and we just last night, went to uh, Morrissey Karaoke, which is in uh, Boyle Heights, which is a very uh, predominantly Mexican-American community that has a strong uh, identity with that. Um, and the bar is right in a plaza called Mariachi Plaza, like we're actual like mariachis um, uh, go to try to, to um, kind of congregate and, and find work. Um, and... I don't know this this kind of conjunction uh was was something that I that I noticed and kind of fell into when I came here and and it really kind of for a little while revitalized my my interest in this music like I knew all the words yeah. to all these songs yeah. and and kind of like <laughs> yeah. going and so suddenly I'm like you know it's sort of like being a part of a a community that maybe through any other means I wouldn't have had any reason to uh uh to be a part of just because you know if you know the the words to these songs then you're you know it's you're accepted in in this kind of uh this subculture um Man, so i don't I know so, uh, I, yeah i never would have guessed i mean i i just i never um that's so interesting yeah you like, wouldn't what? you almost you yeah it's it's very hard to to picture just from like listening to the the album itself right but my understanding is that there's like some historical circumstances behind it like um i guess yeah like, there's a there's a radio station uh kroq in la that i guess in the 80s uh one of the djs played almost entirely like british uh like stuff coming out of the UK. And so yeah. a lot of people who are growing up, uh, who are teenagers in the 80s, in California specifically, were listening to uh, to English bands of that period. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of the legacy of that. Like the, like California kind of has its own music culture that's uh, right. has its own history and it's separate from what people are listening to in other parts of the country. Um, and now it's just kind of been passed on and remixed and uh, uh, passed on to another Expanded. generation who didn't grow up then. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so I mean, it's uh I was just last night at at uh it's called East Side Love, the bar there and you know, the this connection um between Chicano culture and and Morrissey and the Smiths is still something that people are intrigued by. Last night apparently they were filming an episode of I think they said the Sarah Silverman show or something like literally like I've <laughs> like my girlfriend and Viri and I have probably like been around at least like four or five different like instances of people filming like documentaries or TV shows or using this like phenomenon as set dressing for whatever they're doing. Um, so the, the biggest claim to fame is that uh, we, we went, a couple months ago, they were filming for uh, Anthony Bourdain's show, like he was doing a Los Angeles-specific episode, and he decided he would have as part of this episode uh, an investigation into this um, this culture. <laughs> and you can see my girlfriend and like the half of my head for like one second on Anthony Bourdain's show on <laughs> CNN, and my sister like texted me a picture and was like, "Is this your girlfriend?" <laughs> <laughs> like because she was just watching the show uh so it's yeah it's been like a it's it's uh it's a real thing here and it's it's interesting to see how that that has affected you know the the group of people because a very kind of tight-knit community as it's now gaining yeah, like yeah. more uh national exposure and prominence but you know, I I had yeah, no idea so about any of this. You know, listening to this this music in <laughs> at Parkview, but it's, <laughs> it just it's fell kinda, into it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's had uh, an interesting legacy. Um, so I I still yeah, you know love yeah. the Smiths' music. Um, not I mean Morrissey as a as a human being and as a person in twenty two two thousand seventeen is a little bit more uh, <laughs> kind of problematic as a person and. <laughs> I, I like to think he's uh, <laughs> he 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 continues to put out occasionally great music like a song or two, along with a lot of really terrible music. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 uh, it's tough. And and he wrote like an autobiography that's just the weirdest, strangest book you'll ever read. And like <laughs> you just get the sense that this is. Uh, a very abnormal human personality, but you know he still has these songs <laughs> from the '80s, and they're still great, and right, we can't yeah. take that away. So. Like we don't jam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so my my relationship with Morrissey as a person is is a little bit more strained than uh, than the music itself, but but the music will always be there. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I mean, I. You know, I enjoyed what i heard i mean i think my uh i think we talked about this yesterday or the or wednesday was it uh my uh <laughs> i think my favorite song is your least favorite song and because uh, i i like i forget what it's called uh last night someone yeah la- last i had night a I dream dr- somebody loved me or yeah last i dreamt somebody loved me exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and uh I mean, I I was I was digging it the way it starts off, especially. I was just <laughs> like, yeah, bro, we got to sample this. Like, this is this is it. Um, yeah, the you know, yeah, and it's the way the song starts. It's like the it's like he sampled like these the sounds of like a crowd, um, and then you have this really melodramatic like 
<laughs> piano buildup, and the the fucking intro is like a minute long. It's like it's like a minute. <laughs> it like is, a, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a minute of this like melodramatic piano and these like squeals and like. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. But. I was, I was digging. I was like, yo, if we throw some reverb on this, and, like, loop <laughs> it, <laughs> we gonna be cooking with grease. Uh, like, yeah, this, I never. I ne- here is it. I never thought of the possibility. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, uh, chopped and screwed. That's all I hear the, now, man. The first minute of last night. I the first minute. Loved. No, yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, cause I, I want to. Uh, I mean, man, I've I've got so many songs that I plan to like sample and make beats from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's um, a lot of them just fit. A, a, a lot of it is, um, I mean, and I'm also you know just interested in, I guess, um, I'm interested in in like the sonic possibilities for rap that can be heard in and through other genres, you know? Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I've, you know, realized lately I'm probably not going to find... Uh, it, it's... I'm probably likelier to find... You know, I've been looking for, like, something, anything, like, because the internet, or uh, which is Gambino's... Uh, out The album before his last album. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that and and his his EP Kawhi, and you know I've realized I'm probably gonna find what I'm looking for in uh, early 2000s pop music or in uh, like 70s electronica before I find it in in rap again, um, you know, and that's and I which isn't at all a criticism, but it's just you know, it's probably easier to find in those places, um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of, and, and to some extent rock as well, uh, especially certain kinds of alternative rock and indie rock, um, because yeah. Doves has a lot of stuff that, like, would absolutely sound great for a rap song, um, yeah. and, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just like there's I yeah, and I I mean I can think of tons of indie bands just off the top of my head that are like that have eminently sampleable tracks. Like they they have got some fire and uh no one's you know, no one's made use of it yet, so why not? Uh you know, I mean it's I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I've um I, I mean I think right now one of the things that that excites me about um, kind of rap in in 2017 is is that I think people are willing to find samples and move into kind of musical territory that doesn't you know conform to strict boundaries or genres. Um, I mean, I, I I hate to bring it back to uh, to Frank Ocean, but uh, like Blonde, he no, sampled. There's one sample on Blonde that. I'm always just like, what? Like, what? <laughs> like, have you, have you ever uh, noticed like, um, like the list that he made of like all the his like contributors to that album? Yeah. It because it has like the, I th- know, I'm sure I've seen it. 
it has like people who are who've been dead for decades but he, he lists like everyone as contributors basically and so that includes people whose like mm-hmm. lyrics he's appropriated but then also samples and he has a sample of right. this song by a band called gang of four um who is this uh english kind of post-punk band they kind of like combined um like funk with really angular like uh guitars and really like charged marxist political lyrics they're a great band gang of four (laughs) and they have a song called anthrax and i saw somewhere that like it was listed in the credits like that Frank Ocean sampled Anthrax by Gang of Four, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, where? Like, I've listened to this album. I don't hear that shit anywhere. Right. And then I realized that he's, like, you know, taking all of these really disparate sounds. Like, I was like, how do you even sample that song? And, like, it's kind of pretty deep in the mix that he's doing it. Um, And he's just taking, like, snips and layers and... But not ostentatiously. Right. Like it's not like, uh, you know, um, I don't know, like girl talk or something. We're just mashups for the sake of mashups. You know what I mean? Um, right. Like it's it's it kind of goes deeper than that. So, you know, it's 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 yeah. fascinating to me to see what people are are doing these days. With yeah, I mean, and honestly, you know, I, I'm I I am excited about you know exploring new possibilities with sampling because that's i mean that's one thing that i very much intend to do but um i i'm also i'm maybe even more excited about um well i mean it's one of the things that's happened you know over the the decades is um you know the introduction of of uh or not the introduction (laughs) the proliferation of <laughs> lawsuits against rappers for sampling, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which, um, you know, it, it, I think it started, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in the 80s, I think, and, uh, you know, just con- sort of continued as, as rap became more and more of a commercial force. Um, one thing that, that that's done is sort of uh, deter people from sampling. Um, especially now, because, you know, there's, um, you know, the amount of money in the music industry certainly right. isn't what it used to be. And, of course, I mean, it's just so much more expensive to to clear a sample now, uh, to clear certain samples, at least. Um, and so, I mean, you hear a lot more, and especially, you know, as well with, um, you know, the increasing affordability of, of music production equipment. Sure. Um, you know, you hear a lot of, uh, synth sounds, a lot of, um, you know, synthesized drum kicks and snares, you know, a lot of that stuff isn't sampled at all. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, of course I'm not happy about the sampling, you know, but I'm not, I'm not happy about, you know, litigiousness, but I'm, I'm happy about, um, I'm happy about, I guess, uh, the compulsion, uh, you know, to explore sounds outside of sampling. Um, you know, Retro by Childish Gambino, which is probably my favorite, which is, I think, my favorite rap song of all time, um, 
doesn't use any samples, and I have looked like a madman for uh, for uh, the samples that it might use. Yeah. And it doesn't use any. You know, it's a remake of one of Gambino's earlier songs, but you know, I, that's uh, it's not. It doesn't sample any other songs, and uh, you know, it's just like all of these sounds are like. <laughs> It's just like, where do I find more stuff like this, you know? Um, but I, I'm I'm excited about that, um, you know, and ex- excited to, um, you know, explore it and all that kind of stuff, um, you know. And I'm, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I need and I need to get back into rock as well because after I've been slacking on everything, but. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna do this again, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how like the the combination of like technology and economics and how that's it like really shaped hip hop in particular man. because you know yeah. you have sampling starting out as as kind of a you know uh, uh, coming out of the economic conditions that existed kind of, I guess, in the Bronx in the late 70s. And then, yeah, then, yeah. then you're talking about the reaction of the kind of litigiousness of the 80s and 90s. And then with having the internet come up, you can then transfer that kind of sampling impulse onto mixtapes while then having right. the commercial project. Um, right. And then, of course, with, with like Fruity Loops and on all of the software being able to make again something different but it all kind of comes out of this fact of scarcity of uh um you know finding ways to create and invent when you don't have the kind of resources at your disposal to do anything else right um yeah right. it's interesting yeah super duper um you know and and uh you know and the, and I'm I'm really interested in the development of synthesizers as well um you know in just um, you know how their capabilities have grown over time um, you know because I mean you can make you know just about any sound with um, you know with a synthesizer and there have been there are efforts underway <coughs> um, and there are you know efforts that have been uh, really quite successful to replicate uh, the sounds of real instruments uh, mm-hmm. synthetically uh, and it's there's a whole bunch of math involved that <laughs> is you know it's a good fifty stories over my head, but sure um you know i mean it it involves physically modeling like the shape of the instrument and the acoustics and all that sort of stuff and uh, but i mean it you know it sounds great, and one of the benefits is that you know with um typically with those kinds of instruments, they use what's called a sample library, which is um you know, gigabytes on gigabytes of um, sample, actual samples, recorded samples of the instrument, you know, and the different notes and the different articulations and all that sort of stuff. And uh, one of the benefits is that um, synthetic instruments um, don't require sample libraries. You know, I mean, the so the, hmm. you know, a, 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 a good sample library can be you know, tens to hundreds of, of gigabytes, you know, and, right. uh, uh, you know, a, a synthetic instrument, you know, it might be a, a, a few hundred megabytes, you know, depending on, on what instrument it is. Um, so the difference can be um, massive. And, uh, 
it's it man it is like <laughs> no that utterly yeah. fascinating stuff and that, like and that kind I, of yeah and that kind of brings us full circle too because uh to me i i think a, an analogy can be made between like what what you're describing with the sample library and, and this attempt to kind of replicate um you know live instrumentation out of completely synthetic means kind of reminds me of like <laughs> right, <yeah>. cgi <laughs> like when you're watching a a like a a movie these days and it's just like you know that every you can just tell like even if it's really well done cgi that something about it like almost like an uncanny valley effect where it's it never quite looks real like (laughs) um, funny and i think that that is why that was part of i think what turned me off of a lot of uh mid-2000s hip-hop at the time uh, or at least the production of it was sort of feeling yeah, like, oh yeah, man, yeah. like I'm not getting like, you know, that what I want to hear from like a like a real instrument or or the sample That's of a real so instrument, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y- you know, but. No. And I think maybe as technology I, has gotten better, maybe I'm I'm less kind of uh, <laughs> less affected by it. Who knows? It, right. I don't yeah. know if it's I don't know if it's just my t- taste of being able to be expansive enough to. Uh, include sounds that aren't strictly coming from from uh like a live instrument or if it's that the technology has caught up to the point where you know you can you can uh you can make certain sounds on the computer that uh either aren't striving to sound like instruments or or are have gotten to the point where you can't tell the difference so it'll right yeah you can fake it real well yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I my my favorite two rap songs are "Retro" by Gambino and also "Day No" by Shotty Low. And the thing about "Day No" is that it's that really good brass horn loop. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's like it's a um, that's that's so interesting. I mean, I because I really, you know, I've got a lot of friends who, you know, love hip hop or with live instrumentation and that kind of thing. I don't think it I, I don't think it ever made that much of a difference. Yeah. To me, I mean I I really I I really enjoy, you know, old 90s beats with the the vinyl crackle in the background. Um but I also enjoy like weird sci-fi space ray gun effects right. in my <laughs> in right. my rap songs and uh you know, and I there's just something about synths that um, I I think with um, I don't know I think maybe it's it's that there are just certain sounds that that they can make that you know I don't know what kind of instrument you would have to build to replicate that sound but uh, right. you know like with retro I mean it's it's um, some kind of a synth key and. Uh, it just sounds right. <laughs> it sounds incredible, you know. And yeah. I, I've just—I mean, I've—I've I've got some synths that, you know, to my ears, sound. And I've heard synths that sound, uh, you know, fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's—it's it's all about how you use it, obviously. But um, you know, I just—I kind of—I'm really interested in like completely "quote unquote" synthetic you know, rap beats, um, that just, 
I don't know. I, I guess something about that is just uh, a lot about that really is just really cool and appealing to me in some ways. But um, wow. yeah, you know, I mean, not having the clear sample and um, not having to worry about like the integrity of the audio file right. because it, the quality of it degrades if you do certain things to it. And uh, you know, it's like I mean, with synths, you know, I mean, you're you're <laughs> altering like oscillations of <laughs> you know like uh of electricity and stuff it's like this it's just it's man it's cool stuff um and i'm gonna learn math one day so i can understand it all right well i think uh you're you're inspiring now what i think will be the next iteration of this i definitely need to listen to gambino for sure i you know i think we've talked a little bit man in yeah. the past about uh, some of my difficulties trying to listen to to childish gambino but i'm i'm going to try to do it and appreciate no yeah i mean but yeah i have the advantage of not having uh see, i mean i i'm most familiar with him through his music i didn't get into his a- acting stuff until uh he did atlanta cuz i i kind of missed the boat on community uh and uh because I'm just like a hermit, but <laughs> I, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I just, Gambino was always like a musician. Well, I me, think, and, um, yeah, I definitely think there's a, there's a, we could probably go on for another hour talking about like persona and what it means to be, what, how you perceive music given what you know about a person in life as opposed to who they present themselves in a particular song (laughs) context yeah yeah so that i think that has to be a future episode for sure and then i think i have some good albums maybe some like synth type stuff from like the 80s and 90s completely not in the uh yeah, I no, I I think I have some good stuff to recommend for you. Now that I know that this is the the avenue that you're interested in. Uh Yeah, man. I hey, think, I'm, I think I'm I have an episode all for, us. for it. Awesome. Well, my ears are open. Yeah, I think we I think we did it. I think we hit an hour. Uh I think I know we had some uh some hiccups in the middle, but uh I think that's it. Um Yeah. Yeah, just want to just shout out Jay Blanked, as always, for the, the intro music. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do this again soon. Until next time. Adios.